0: Okay. Sure. There you go. Okay. Well, hello, Robert. Good to
1: see you again. You said you had some questions. I do. I will ask away.
2: Okay. So the first question is fully feeling um, unwholesome emotions versus just replacing them with wholesome thoughts and emotions or sensations. It doesn't just have to be emotions
1: well we need to make a distinction between thoughts and emotions
0: that in fact the word emotion has the word motion in it that the unwholesome i was pulling the trigger emotion is the bullet okay right right okay I, i hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying yeah that makes sense
2: it's the cause and the effect
1: Right, that that anything that happens had a cause. Every fire has a fuel, so that means that every bad feeling that you have uh, was fired off. You can think of uh, bad feelings in the sense of stored up ammunition and stored up ammunition. I mean, ammunition will sit for years and years, or not being used, and then somebody gets jerked off and loads the gun and pulls the trigger, and now the bullets active. So that's what emotions are. Emotions are the results of, um, let us say, uh, most specifically in uh, Samapada, feelings and emotions are come are caused. By contact, something has contacted us. Okay, the mm-hmm. guy who pulled the trigger pulled the trigger because right, he, right. Was yeah. contacted. he was That's contacted. That's the
2: something. event in the environment, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No,
1: oh, almost no. never it comes from the environment. Oh, it,
2: it's from the mind.
1: Right. Right, okay. got So you, got an you. unwholesome thought, a memory, comes up. And that unwholesome thought then brings on unwholesome feelings. That the mind and the body are deeply interconnected.
0: I see, And uh, I see. Uh,
1: be- between the body and the mind are the feelings. So, uh, body controls or uh, influences or conditions the feelings. And the feelings condition the mind. And the mind condition the feelings. And the feelings condition the body. And so it's kind of a circle like that. You can put them on a, uh, one at 12 and one at four and one at uh, eight o'clock and you can see the tape.
2: Yes. Yeah. So it's it just goes around. like, And right. then the, 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 the body feelings, those condition the mind as well. It reacts back against those sort of like a feedback loop.
1: Yeah. Easy yeah. example of that is, is that you feel sick. And when you feel sick or your body is sick, you're grumpy.
3: Mm hmm
1: yeah, and because, yeah. right. And because you're grumpy, you yell at somebody or you yell at somebody in your mind. So there is a body being sick will condition the feelings to be grumpy, and the grumpy then conditions the mind to uh, continue with the grumpy thoughts or uh, thoughts of panic, thoughts of all kinds of stuff. But uh, body, feeling and mind are interrelated. And that uh, is most specifically laid out uh, uh, in the teachings of the particular Samapada, but also steps seven and eight um, in Anapanasati talk about the mental conditioners, that it's the feelings that condition the mind. Many, many examples of that. Um, they're in debates, they call it a ad homium attack. You're not supposed to attack your opponent. You're supposed to attack the opponent's vision. Yes. Oh,
3: if, right, yeah,
1: yeah. if you attack the opponent, and then he will get unhappy and angry, and he will have feelings and emotions about being attacked, and now he will respond to the the attack rather than responding with his uh, debate points. Hmm. And so that's why it's a rule. You can see that carried to an absolute extreme in hilarity with WWE when the fighters are getting up and trash mouthing each other. And they know it's all a game that the audience gets all worked up.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So.
1: And so this is an important point to recognize that whenever you've got bad feelings, almost inevitable. It was because you gave yourself an unwholesome thought.
0: Right. And when you start right. giving that's yourself
1: brilliant.
0: unwholesome
1: thoughts, start giving yourself wholesome thoughts, then you'll feel a lot better.
2: Yeah. Sometimes I notice only the feeling and not the thought that caused it. So that's really going to put me due in position to, being to, to make sure to notice the cause. Yeah. Make sure I'm noticing the cause that caused it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be very helpful. Start to really get awareness over those. What's actually causing the unwholesome states
1: right we have to wake wake up that's part of sati is how fast can we see these mind moments a Mm. mind moment itself fast only about a tenth of a second
2: wow that's very quick
1: Mm, a lot of stuff can happen in a tenth of a second chemical electrical or wise i mean internet's a whole lot faster
0: Fair enough, fair enough, I suppose. Um, Lights a whole so, lot better. So I lot, stopped uh, you
1: in the middle of your question because it's good to get our terminology straight. Oh, out. Oh,
2: absolutely. Really, really important. Yeah, that's a lot of the research I've been doing lately has just been looking at... Um, I actually opened like like 10 tabs at the top of my computer and I was just basically looking at the different... Buddhist words and what they meant, because different places had different definitions. One of the things I got really into um, researching was the different jhanas, because I wanted to understand what the like the features were of each one, so that I could know like where I am when I'm in the jhana, right? But that, but you know that there was all there was loads of different maps, and different people seem to have like different features. For example, Michael Taft said he feels a lot of pleasure in his mouth in the second jhana. I get loads of physiological sensations in the mouth in the second jhana. But um some of my other friends I've spoken to, they they don't get mouth phenomena <laughs> sort of in the section. So that was really interesting. But yeah, even with just like all these Buddhist words, there's like like tons of tons of um different definitions. And it's tricky because like the way I sort of see it is like the definition of the word is like a pointer. And you have to kind of like bounce your mind off the pointer to like do the technique properly. And so it's sort of like I want I wanna get really clear actually. On the definitions of things, and I, this might be better to ask you today than what I was going to ask during this call. Just so, because, like you said, like get it out of the way first of all, so that like I know, like what the um what the what the what the what the word's supposed to mean and, and point me towards.
3: Do
2: you know what I mean? Like with all these different tra- translations and stuff, and and um and there's this whole thing I keep seeing coming up about scholars translating it one way, and then like um. Um, actual meditators translating it differently.
1: One of the things that we failed to note, and I found fa- it has to do with the way that Western education works. Um, an example that we're talking about uh, in is that. There's a whole lot of stuff that's been happening for many, many centuries in Asia. That the Western mind has no clue about
3: in mm. general, mm.
1: and that when they did the original research for the Pali, uh, Riles Davies was in Sri Lanka, uh, I. B. Hona was both in India and Sri Lanka, and they went after the original text and they did their research as best they could. Uh, with the tools that they had and came up with a lexicon and uh, beginning a translation. This happened between 1880 and about 1920 or so. And by 1920, they had the Polytext Society. But these guys that did that translation, they were scholars from England. They did not speak either the local languages, nor did they consult much of the local people and the translations that what they failed to understand was is that the the um the Pali texts that they had come across had already been translated into Sri Lankan. They would have done a much better job if they had translated the sutras out of Sri Lankan into English rather than translating them mm. out of the Pali into the English, because mm. the Pali for them was a dead language. They had to invent everything. Okay. Um and this and to, uh to go further, they could have also consulted the Thai versions and the uh Burmese versions and the Vietnamese versions, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't do any of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh and so the Western mentality about the Sutas is uh, uh fairly stilted and that it's stilted in, in the mindset of the translators. The translators actually add more of themselves to the translation than they do the original text. When you're reading a translation, you're reading the translator, his mind.
2: Mm, well. That's a good point. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, and, especially yeah. even if he's
2: a meditator, he might put his own like experience. He might say, this is the way it is because that was my experience of it. But maybe the, the, the Buddha's experience was something completely else. And he's talking about something else. And it just, it's like, like one of the things that I've questions that I've just been racking my mind with is like, what's the difference between like enlightenment insight and like jhana absorption? Cause I know they're not the same thing. Everyone says they're not the same thing, but fourth jhana,
1: like, like, jhana is not feels an like absorption.
2: it feels fourth like jhana is
1: not something that's a goal. Maybe Jhana is being in verse Jhana, paying attention to the right stuff.
2: Well, see, that's the thing, that's the thing.
1: Okay, but that, the, the way it's uh, Western mentality it's
2: like identical
1: as Jhana as. Jana, as uh, first jhana is marvelous, but second jhana is a whole lot better. Third jhana is really tremendous, a whole lot better, but none of them have anything to do with what really fourth jhana is all about. And this is not true at all. That's that's
2: thank you for pointing that out. That was actually my my mindset, and it's been shifting a little bit because I've been focusing on coming into the now. But a lot of the times, it, I get this like really. I'm getting kind of distracted, now, but but it's true, a lot of the times I do fall into that mindset and I see me using the gladdening the mind technique that you taught me to, to actually support that, that that framework in like a really subtle way. But no, but no, that, that that's great. That's really good that, that I need to keep that in check, and that you brought that up. The way you described, it, it's exactly exactly how I was thinking about it. And I I think I was starting to realize it, which is probably a good sign. Great. So so what is the difference then between genres and insight?
0: Um, well, let's just use an analogy to get started with this.
1: Um, a child who is in the parking lot learning to drive his car is thinking about being a Formula One racer. But if he takes that old jalopy that he's learning to drive out on the formula race course, he's probably going to kill somebody. Yes,
2: yes, no, true.
1: Okay, because he that. doesn't have the skills developed.
3: Yeah. That
1: in fact, um, one way of understanding it is that Jhana states are states of the human mind. And that every mind is capable of these states. And because of that, every one of us from time to time goes into these various states. This is an important point. Okay. That first jhana was discovered. Second jhana is discovered. These are discoveries that are made. Not uh, attainments. The Western mindset is all about attainments. Getting this and getting that, getting stream entry, getting jhana, getting nirvana, getting enlightened, getting, 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 because our entire society is based upon getting. Except the the definition of dukkha is very, very specific. The Buddha is more than specific that wanting something you don't have is dukkha. And so most of the jhanas that guys get is actually just a form of Dukkha. Because Mm. they're wanting something.
2: But my question then is, how will we be motivated for the spiritual path? Or or is motivation antithetical to? um, Okay.
1: Well, let us start
3: then from the very
1: beginning. Rather than talking about what the end looks like, because there's no end to it. Okay. Let's, Let's look at it from the very beginning. One sits down and wants something. They want to meditate, okay? They're already off on the wrong foot. And they will not get what they want. Many, many examples of this, one of them would be, how do you catch a black cat that in a darkened room? You've got a regular furniture with a regular room, but it's it's at night, all the lights are turned off, it's pitch black. You walk into the room, you see the cat from the daylight in the doorway, you close the door, and now it's you and the cat and the furniture. How are you going to catch that cat? Uh,
2: Close the doors.
0: No, uh, no. Run around after him?
2: Put That's what out.
1: everybody's doing. That's your enlightenment, running around after it.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: But the right way to catch a cat is to sit down in the middle of the floor and wait, and the cat will come to you, and the longer you wait will depend upon how much chasing you did before you... uh ...stop uh, uh, okay. chasing
2: I think I think I see what you're saying. I think and I so see... You were I'm sorry, I didn't... I, do, I know this is cat, like...
1: Chasing yeah. that cat, even when you sit down to relax, the cat's not going to come because the cat's afraid of you.
3: Yeah. But if you just
1: walk into the room and close the door and sit down, the cat will come pretty soon.
3: Gotcha, gotcha. This is how that's, we... That's a practice. really
2: different approach to. Wow, that's... that's. I, I, it, it's just like a very different approach to what I was doing, I guess.
1: Well, this <laughs> is like the Asian to... approach, not the Western approach. It's,
2: it's, it's more enjoyable, I think. I think that approach is certainly more enjoyable in the short term, which is like the whole park is all now, the right? the
1: point of it is, is that, yes, that's what the jhanas are. Sukha and pity are very enjoyable feelings. That in fact, one of the ways of saying it, and I have said it before so many times, we spent our whole lives talking ourselves into feeling bad. And sitting down for meditation is just another example of talking ourselves into feeling bad. Now it's time to talk yourself into feeling good. So the question uh, is, what is feeling good like?
0: How would you feel if you could feel the way you wanted to feel? How would you feel if you could feel the way you wanted to feel? That's a very, 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 very good question.
2: Um, I was feeling a little bit I was feeling a little bit good until you said that. <laughs> and then I was thinking, oh, what if I could feel some other way? But now that I am thinking about that, probably like an orgasm. Good feeling, right?
1: Uh, yeah, but you can't stay in orgasm. I mean, if you but, get your well, yeah, paint the wall with cum, <laughs> and not only that, but you'd be really depleted
2: Yeah, so, yeah, you'd probably be depressed for like a week after that, like no serotonin left. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Uh, um. Let's let's leave. I guess that just aside because I... that's an activity and event, that's not a feeling. Right. And, right. And not only that, but not everyone who has an orgasm feels exactly the same way immediately after orgasm most 14 year old boys feel immensely guilty yeah yeah that's yeah. not a feeling that you're saying that you want to have
2: no not at so well.
1: it's got nothing to do
0: with orgasm it has to do with how do you feel i mean the way i feel now is pretty good but I just meditated.
2: So a lot of the, the bliss is like, OK, got its momentum. Pretty,
1: pretty good is how people do on a Saturated. test and make a C minus or a D plus. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. OK, so. Um, what you're what you're actually telling me is, is that you don't even know how you want to feel. You never thought about it.
3: Yeah, yeah, no,
2: I I honestly, I don't, I don't even know.
1: You have spent so much time being controlled by your feelings that in fact you think that you are not capable of feeling the way you want to feel, That you're only capable of feeling what the environment demands that you feel. And the, guess what? The, the actual environment you're in doesn't demand anything of you. It's just there it is.
2: Yeah, inanimate,
3: yeah.
1: But we bring in a lot of expectations, and those expectations normally we learned as, as a child when we were too ignorant to figure out things for ourselves. And then as an adult, we never do reevaluate all that stuff that we had learned ignorantly to check to see if it's worth having or not. We just keep doing it because that's the easy way to do it. Mm. Sort of like on automatic pilot, that once you learn how to drive a car, or once people in America generally learn how to drive a car, after that, most of their driving moments, moment by moment, almost all of those moments are spent absent mindedly. Not really watching the road intensely, like as if they were a Formula 2 race car driver. Formula 2 race car driver is watching the track. If he's not, he's dead before the end of the race. Mm. Mm. Guess what? A lot of highway fatalities out there on the roads in the United States because people are not watching where they're going. We rely upon authorities and rules and regulations and that kind of stuff to save us. An example of that is the law of right-of-way. We have the idea that we have a right-of-way. So I can plow into the guy who's backing into the uh, out onto the road from his driveway. It's okay for me to go ahead and hit him because I'm right. I've got the right-of-way. Yeah. Okay. In Thailand, they have another kind of mentality, and the mentality they have here is share the road. Which means if somebody does back out and you hit him, it's your fault as well as his, and you will suffer as well as he does. Everybody is in the job, in the business of avoiding accidents. we in America people are not in the business of avoiding accidents because they've got insurance. In Thailand, the, the only insurance that actually exists is insurance that you have to take out from the bank if you have a loan on the car. But if you own the car outright, there's no reason to have any insurance. You intend to drive safely.
3: Mm, mm.
1: and You watch where you're going. So you don't have accidents. So mm. you are now your own insurance policy. Well, if we can take that analogy for the driving, we can take that also an analogy for all of our life. You see, one of the main mistakes that Westerners make is they think that meditation is squatting on the floor in a meditation hall or someplace. Mm, mm. No, uh, let's not even use the word meditation because everybody already knows what that word means. And let's yeah. tar- start talking in the sense of anapanasati practice.
3: Mm, because mm, that's
1: great. Practice, yeah, Give us a really clear definition. Right, because we need to practice any time that we need to practice. Mm. All right, and when do we practice? Okay, so one time that we need to practice would be driving an automobile. That's the time to really pay attention, to be alert, to know what's going on, to watch what's going on. All right. And also, when you're not driving, but you're just sitting alone by yourself, you still need to watch where your mind is going. Mm. Mm. So that you don't have unwholesome thoughts that wind up in unwholesome feelings. Now, the surprise is, is that people who were actually sitting for what they're calling meditation will wind up in a state of anxiety. Why? Because they wanted something.
2: Yeah, they wanted to have that happy thought free state or wholesome thought state. And then they, they want it to get in their but own the way.
1: the thoughts are thoughts of wanting.
2: Yes, Yeah. Yeah, they they get in their own way, yeah.
1: Okay. So, Anapanasati, uh, the sutta itself, as well as other things, the Buddha would indicate that wanting that kind of stuff is an unwholesome thought and prevents us from getting it. That there is such a thing as a wholesome thought, and the wholesome thoughts almost always have to do with satisfaction, success, joy. uh,
3: Mm.
2: Desirelessness instead of desire.
1: Right. So you feel like that you've already, or you you talk to yourself as if you've already gotten the benefit as opposed to wanting the benefit that you don't have. That the benefit Mm. that you've gotten from meditation already right now is good enough. Thank you very much. Let's have Mm. some gratitude Mm. and some Generosity. Yay, we point did it. Here. <laughs> That's exactly what we're talking about. <laughs>
3: this
1: is that sensation is called pity.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's exhilarating. It is on top of your game. It is a winner's attitude, and it is exactly opposite from being a victim, which is where we all start. Victims are someone is a person who wants something that they don't have, and so they're out trying to get it. They're either getting revenge or they're getting a chick magnets or they're getting something because they want something. Mm. But that's the victim. A winner has just won. He's the champion. He just won his prize. He doesn't want anything now. He's too busy enjoying the fact that he just got his prize.
2: Right on. Is OK, this is very, very important. This is my next question. Because this is something that I get totally hang up, hung up on, especially when I'm comparing your teaching to the pragmatic Dharma teachings, which was sort of the, not like lineage, but I guess. When like, the pragmatic students find out
1: what they need to that. do, they will teach according to the teachings of the Buddha rather than according to, let us say, street life in Seattle. Right. But, right now, so the, the Dharma group is practicing street life in Seattle and they're calling that meditation. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, so my question is, is that the entire path, just feeling good now? Mm-hmm. Do I feel good now and then investigate how reality is impermanent or how it's there's no self? Or do I just, like, feel good now and if I want those, I let go of that because it's an and return to feeling good now? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, like it, should I still Perhaps, be doing, like, you're, uh,
1: still goal like you're still goal-oriented.
2: Oh, that's true, that's true that's
3: true okay. yeah so that was
1: another uh, way of looking at it instead of well now that i've got it what do i do the yeah. answer is just to look do you have it right now and if not get it right now
0: oh, wow
2: that's um that is very that is a very present moment to answer yeah
1: okay this is why yeah, we need know. to wake up and investigate this is what sati, and oh. right view, are all about. We're talking about one hundred percent. We're talking about the Eightfold Noble Path is the path is the method that the Buddha taught. Okay. If what you're practicing is not the Eightfold Noble Path, then it is not what the Buddha taught.
2: I see. I see. Okay. Let me let me let me pose this a bit differently. In the if in the in the interest of establishing good causes now that will save me. And others do occur later down the road, but we're thinking like a really long-term thing. Is um, is is does all the investigation that needs to happen, all the skills that need to be built in the mind, are they all built just in the the practice that you're teaching the Full Noble Path of just be just be happy now? Because I can I can do that. I can gladden the mind quite quickly, but um, and and then keep. Of course it I mean that's just the first out of the and then the you
1: still want something.
2: First. Well then I just keep like permanent attacking the okay. and Vakara,
1: right? So the teachings it's, of the Buddha ha- in fact you do you know the name that the Buddha gave himself and referred to himself?
2: Um the awakened one? I heard someone say Oh,
1: that. that's the word Bodhi. That's oh, both. That okay. came years oh, sorry. Or centuries later, but in fact, for quite a while, he was known as Sakyamuni in general. I'm questioning, how did he refer to himself?
2: I, I have no idea. Sorry.
1: He, he, he um, referred to himself as Tatata or Tatagatha.
2: Right. Yes. Yes. I have heard you say that in, in another episode.
1: Yes. Tathagatha means the one who has come to being in the present moment.
0: Okay. okay.
1: Which is always the now. That's all we have is right now. No need to worry about the future, which is what you're doing.
2: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm sorry for swearing. I know it's recorded. Um, wow. That's, that's so, so true. It's like it's like every like motivate it's because I do this thing right I have like this line that I draw that I call like in my head I'll just call it like let's say 50% happiness and then if I go over it I can still have desires but it feels like there's like not really so much dukkha there as there was before like it's not really like most of my experience and then even if I'm spending hours and hours in, in that state like off the cushion just just from doing this practice that you've taught me but that's there's actually more degrees of subtlety that I was uh I was taking for being good things, which was like you said being motivated. Like I often try to really use basically the t- the same skills that I've built through meditation to try and like induce a state of motivation to make myself go for my goals. But I think what what I'm learning from you now is that even that is like it's still a goal. It's still a subtle one mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. okay yeah, it's gotta be just mm-hmm. totally effortless, totally relaxed and you Want- just keep let go
1: of One of the bad translations that has grossly affected Western mentality, uh, let us call it just in general, just a slang word, Western Buddhism.
3: Mm, mm. Uh,
1: The last thing that the the Buddha said was, be your own refuge and uh, strive diligently, except that the word striving is an English language word and Westerners hear that word and they think that Buddhism has to do with striving. Mm. Okay. A much better word to use would be persistent mm. or even in mm. a better word. Yeah, would I get what you're be, um, energi- uh, Enthusiastic or eager.
3: Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: Because eagerness is something that we have right now. Yeah, yeah. Striving is something you do over a long period of time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Stri- striving is uncomfortable, eager is you're enjoying it.
1: Well, striving already has the quality that, that the whole point of striving is that you're not enjoying it.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And that fits in with the whole way that Western culture operates is called delayed gratification. And that they do it. Big
3: time.
1: Mm, I mean, that's like uh, 21
2: years of my life was just training myself to be better at delayed gratification. That's like mm -hmm. a huge part of Western culture.
1: So um, let's change the point then to the point, everything that we're, let's throw out all of Western Buddhism, all of Buddhism, um, all of psychology, everything, even the philosophy just goes. And we're a kind of a primitive young boy who goes up to an an old man who has uh, gotten famous because he's got wise and interesting things to say. Um, And we come up to him and say, the bully did this or that or the other thing. And the old man says, just forget about it and relax. Just relax. Now, that relaxation is something that we do right now. If we can do relaxation right now, what else is
0: there to do? Just relax. That in fact, what you could say is, is that first
1: jhana is the skill or the art of learning how to relax.
0: Instead of being uptight. So what are we doing? The first uh, order
1: of relaxation. Is to is to unload the heavy burdens of unwholesome thoughts. That's the major relaxation. That's the first item on the list is being free from the hindrances. That's clearly pointed out in the Sutta one by one as they occur. It's clearly pointed out in the Satipatthana Sutta. It's mentioned specifically in the uh, Great Forty, the exposition on the one's right effort is to remove unwholesome thoughts and put wholesome thoughts in the mind. That's the first thing that we do, is mm-hmm. that we start putting mm-hmm. wholesome thoughts in the mind. Is and it... in the Anapanasati Sutta, it uses the term gladdening or brightening the mind. Yeah. Okay. So, the first then relaxation is, is to throw the garbage out. That we're going to relax, but we're not going to relax in the city dump. We're going to relax in a clean environment. So the first thing we do is we clean house in the moment, and now the mind is clean. And so now yes, we yes. can relax. Completely relax.
2: There are no goals.
1: There are no um, uh, future, um, let's just say, rewards. The whole point of relaxation is just <laughs> relax right now.
2: I'm just relaxing right now. That's crazy, man. That, that really, I've heard you say that before many many times in a lot of videos but it's just blowing my mind now for just some well, reason but that's that's the first you the said that's the first step but my question was is that the last step as well and i think the answer that you've just given me very clearly is yes that no well that
1: if you know after holds relaxation the step. you're wanting more you just came out of your relaxation
2: exactly so it is it is the the, the, the the, the
1: original so the question then is how how relaxed can you get?
2: Oh yes, okay, great. So there's something to do. <laughs> great.
1: Well, actually, no. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we want to stop doing no, so that yeah, we can relax it.
2: more. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were about to say that. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's what we don't do. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, notice that the oh. the whole. thought processing that you're that you're using is based upon Western thought systems. Yeah. Okay. Doing.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the whole teachings of the Buddha about relaxation is stop doing. Which means basically we develop wisdom in the following way. We develop wisdom as knowledge about actions so Mm -hmm. that we can Set those actions down. Set them Mm. aside. Mm. Think of it, or actually in the Anapanasati Sutta is very specifically the end goal is knowledge and deliverance. Now, what we mean by knowledge and deliverance is knowledge of activities that we can stop doing. To set the burdens down, set the activities down, to set the doings down. Then enlightenment is not an attainment, Enlightenment is enjoying the fact that you've got nothing to to attain.
2: That's certainly a much more tangible description than some of uh, Rumi's poems. (laughs) It's it's a lot more related. Most
1: of the descriptions of enlightenment come not from Buddhism at all. It comes from Western society in general, most specifically Christianity. Where you have very, very high goals that are unattainable and and all of this kind of stuff. Mm. That, in fact, one of the hallmarks of Christianity that uh, there's this said in many different ways and places. For instance, in in Romans, um, Paul says, "Who were you to be good? Only God is good.. Mm. Mm. Okay. And then in John, it says, uh, accept Jesus as your savior, and now she'll be saved. Okay. You got to go get help. You got to go get an icon. You need There's a That's something
2: you need you don't have on Yeah. You
1: dashboard of your truck in order for you to drive correctly. <laughs> yeah. We need help. That's the whole point about our whole society is based upon the fact that the individual child, when he is born, he is born dependent and helpless. And we stay in that mentality for our whole lives. Rather than growing out of it, I don't need help. I've got everything I need already now. Okay, I can relax, find me. I've gotten all the goals. In fact, the best goals that I've gotten is because I stopped making goals. I don't have any goals. When I have a goal, that's restlessness. That's something to do. That's the place to go. That's traveling.
3: Mm-hmm. And when you
1: don't have any goals, when in fact you can say, well, right now I'm just going to relax because I've got no goals. The house is not on fire, so I can relax in the house. If the house is on fire, I got to get up, put the fire out, or at least get up and leave the house. But if the house is not on fire, I can just relax. So much of what we're practicing here is the art of relaxation. And, And when we're relaxed from having no unwholesome thoughts, So that we have one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought, which actually means that we're developing uh, through the skill of having one wholesome thought after another. We begin to feel according to the thoughts that we're having. So if we have thoughts that everything is safe, there's no dangers. So I begin to feel safe. Okay. There is no discomforts. I don't have any peas in the bed or I don't have any nails sticking in the foot. All right. Mm -hmm. That there is no problems. There's no worries. There's no there's nothing to do. So therefore, I can just be comfortable. I can just sit here and be comfortable. Now, uh, as an aside. Many people in the West practicing meditation actually practice a kind of meditation didn't eventually, over a short period of time within the sitting time, makes them physically uncomfortable.
2: Mm, yeah, strong determination
1: sitting. Right. Okay. So strong determination sitting is about what the CEO of General Motors does when they're trying to catch up with Tesla. Mm. That's strong determination.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Now, there are some benefits and values for being able to, when the mind is completely skilled, to let us say test it. An example with this would be Vikabuddha Dasa says that uh, when the body is sick, that's a good time to practice. That's an opportunity for practice. Why? Because when the body is sick, the mind's not sick. I can gladden the mind and I can be happy. In fact, I can tell myself, wow, it's so nice that I'm sick because now I really don't have to do anything. Whatever anybody wants me to do, sorry, I'm so sick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that's 100% 100 true.
1: Okay, so first Jonathan is the first thing is to relax the mind out of all of the thoughts of wanting, caring, getting, doing, uh, unfinished business from the past jobs to do in the future and for right now have the mentality and the thoughts of no place to go and nothing to do and the spring comes and the grass grows by itself so allow yourself to have nothing so that we can relax and as we relax we begin to feel safe secure comfortable and we do that, and then something new happens, and that's called satisfaction, that we come to a state that I'm satisfied with the way things are. Now, comfort and safety, security, and satisfaction are all part of the definition of the word stukha. Mm. Stukha is exactly the opposite of dukkha. What is gotcha. dukkha? Gotcha. Sukha is worrying about something.
2: Yes, yes. And so the meditation techniques, they're aimed so that we can cultivate sukha. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like, and would you say like the the sort of the seven facts of awakening, I sort of have like this visualization of, it's sort of like, that's sort of like your, it's like the, the ropes that are like holding up the sukha, it's like. Things like the facts of awakening and um, and the skills. Ah, but like that's
1: satire. a very Western mental way of doing it, holding it up. But ropes are there to hold it up. Mm. Actually, mm. what we're looking at more specifically is, is that we are already in a hot air balloon that's ready to launch. But the reason that the basket is still on the ground is because it's got a bunch of sandbags and a bunch of ropes that are ca- tying it to the ground.
0: And I all see, we have to I do
1: see. is let those ropes go and oh, we begin to float yeah. into the air naturally.
2: I love your teaching. It's very relaxing. It's so refreshing. <laughs> After like three years of like meditating my ass off and just like feeling exhausted and burnt out all the time from just like not being enlightened and wanting to be enlightened so bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's a ref- So this that's is nice
1: exactly one. why the Zen master will say, that uh, you're already enlightened. Stop wanting anything. Just sit.
2: He's got the right idea.
1: Zazen. Yeah. Now, Zazen is just sitting, which it means not trying to attain anything, because you've already got everything that you want to attain. You've already got it. You're good to go. Everything is already okay. Yeah. Now, can you do that over and over and over and over again every time you check the mind? And when do you check it? When do you remember to check it?
2: Right. This is
1: why sati.
2: You're not going to like this next question, but this is just out of curiosity. You said earlier there's 10 mind moments a second. If I can check it 10 times a second and I get it right, like every time, that's basically
1: enlightenment, right?
2: No, (laughs) not
1: at all. That's just (laughs) conceptual wishful thinking.
2: Okay, okay. (laughs) I'm just
1: yeah, I guess you're right. It's just because the mind doesn't work like that. It takes one mind moment to have a thought. And then the next mind moment is waking up to that thought.
0: Ah, yeah, right.
2: Of course. Yeah, because because it would have to have happened for me to have noticed it happened. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And the noticing that it happened takes a mind moment.
2: And if I tried to preempt it, I'm worrying about the future and I just lost my my -hmm. sukha
1: exactly so all we need to do is give me so much clarity honestly
2: yeah really good really good i was watching a lot of your videos over the time because i wasn't here for like two weeks but i was watching lots of your videos and stuff it was really helpful i took some notes to some of them um i might post it in the comments or something but um but they they're really really good but it's it's good to talk to you because it's very different when you when you interact with the person like I can ask you the questions and you can hear like the way that my mind's phrasing it and you can point out that the ropes that's a very western idea I would I wouldn't learn that from like watching videos and stuff so it's like yeah mm-hmm. it's really good yeah cool
1: yes it, that's, that's the problem with books nobody gets dhamma out of the book but a lot of people are dhamma scholars mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they think that the more knowledge that they have but that's all conceptualized intellectual knowledge rather than the kind of knowledge that we're developing here is the kind of knowledge that only is attained by seeing directly
2: so yeah it's the it's the opposite really it's Mm
0: -hmm. it's
2: like yeah you're not you're not building anything you're you're it's like letting go of all the mental constructions belief systems and stuff
1: that's, so you can see that yeah. actually in many different cases I can, I
2: can feel that happening with my thoughts even like a little bit like like if I'm like really mindful I can sort of feel like when I'm thinking a thought even though I'll still be doing it I'll I can I can sort of feel how like especially with doubt I get this with doubt like um I've I've always had like loads of doubt in my meditation especially like doubt about like metaphysical questions and these like kind of crazy things right and I'd get like doubt and like since like becoming a bit more like like mindful more frequently and stuff like it's like sometimes when i'm doubting things it's almost like that like sati that skill of sati has like developed now where i i'm sort of just like this background like uh, observer observing how me doubting these two things and i i'm literally like aware while it's happening that i don't know the answer and that it's just like needless tension happening and i'll just mm-hmm. keep watching it and it'll just build to a point and then it's eventually like sort of snap and i'll return to suka. But that's like, well,
1: there's a difference between not knowing and wanting to know.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Doubt is is confusion and we don't like the feeling of confusion. So we're trying to get rid of the feeling of confusion. And so we want to get rid of the confusion.
0: Yeah, if I wanted
1: yeah. to get rid of confusion. Well, yeah, that I'm getting
2: it. like more and more stressed out because I don't know the answer, even though, like, I know in the back of my mind I can see it. Well, clearly, I don't know the answer because I'm getting more and more stressed out. And it's like,
1: well, guess what? You don't need the answer.
3: Like, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: The answer is you don't need an answer. Yeah. This is why, of the 10 fetters, ignorance is the highest and last on the list, as well as the very basic one. So you start in of with ignorance, but when you practiced the entire path through the higher fetters, we're still dealing with ignorance, but now we're dealing with ignorance in a very, very sophisticated way.
2: Mm, it's like a, it's like a more subtle level. It's like more difficult to see. But, I would I
1: wouldn't like, do it like so, that. Just listen for this, a second. Okay, okay. okay I'm gonna listen, listen. Just listen for Sorry. a second. Um, that the 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 knowledge and the deliverance is to being able to see what the mind is doing right now and then stop doing it to set it down to put it aside. That's the whole pass, and that happens in any particular moment in the here now. Hmm. That's the whole point is, is that can you just do this one after another or come back to that state of relaxation, which means giving up on asking questions. I don't need to know the answer to that. I've got all the answers that I need. What answers do I need? Just relax. Just relax and take a look. Just keep investigating. And keep investigating rather than going into mental conceptualizations that lead to doubt. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Now, there's another way that we can look at it, and that is is that when instead of, we're not talking about intellectual knowledge, because that's basically where the Western mind has gotten, but not in all cases. Let's talk about um, in psychology. or most specifically the one that's really easy is, is, um, chemistry. If you take a course in chemistry in high school, that class is not just sitting in the classroom, watching the guy draw diagrams of atoms on the blackboard. No real chemistry is done in a chemistry lab.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: You take what you've learned into the chemistry from the course and you go into the chemistry lab and that's where you do it. All right. The same thing is with psychology, that you can sit in psychology lab uh, or excuse me, in a psychology class and read a lot of books on psychotherapy and whatnot. But really, it's in the lab It's when you have a group of psychologists actually doing group therapy for themselves, where that psychology student is getting something out of it right then and there. OK, so that's another example of it. Um, you can read all the books you want to about, for instance, tennis, but you'll never learn to play tennis by Just reading, reading books, books about tennis. Yeah. You'll never learn to play golf
0: by reading books on golf. You'll never learn to, the Dhamma by reading books about the Dhamma. Sorry about that. Mm.
3: No, that's uh...
1: <laughs> the way. The way to learn the Dhamma is by reading your mind. That's the only book. When people would say, well, what book should I read? The one between your ears. And what do you read? What passage do you read? Whatever book page is open to and whatever thoughts are there right now. That's what we begin to pay attention to.
0: And if it's unwholesome, we throw that out or we change the page. And
1: changing the mind is as as changing the page, flipping a page on a book. See, it's the, that easy.
2: The trouble is, it feels like it's like it's a really obvious thing to do, and it feels really intuitive and natural to do. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll have I'll I'll find a way to come up with some questions. But
1: you don't have to have any it's, questions. It's you like don't I have, <laughs> have questions. You, You have been told your whole life that you're supposed to have a lot of questions. The best students have questions. You're not trying to be the best student anymore. Right now, you're trying to relax and stop being the best of anything because you're just satisfied with the way things are. No challenges. No attainments. No place to go.
0: Nothing to do. Just sit down and relax and enjoy your life. And it's like, I can't ask you questions about it, really, because the thing itself
2: is kind of like it's like you said, you don't get it from a book. You have to actually do the thing. You know, so mm-hmm.
1: yeah. you don't learn carpentry from a book. You've got to put a <laughs> hammer in your hand and start driving nails and hit your thumb and a few things like that. And that's how I mean, the book can have a passage in there when you're hammering with nails. Please do not hit your thumb. That's not going to help you tall.
3: Mm hmm.
1: But if you hit your thumb, after that, you're more careful with the nails.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the teachings
2: is like the warnings. And then when you actually figure out like like what 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 like the what it's pointing to, then you don't really need the warnings anymore because now you can just wake up. Well, it's so, so supposed to be sort of like a new agey way of phrasing it. But you, you kind of like it. It's kind of like you wake up. It's kind of like you snap out a little bit. It's like, oh. Dukkha, get out of
1: here. Exactly. Okay. So let's let's continue on with the understanding about the relaxation because jhana is just Mm. going from one state of relaxation to another, but you've got to get yourself into a state of relaxation, which means you've got to stop doing all kinds of stuff. Mostly the thoughts are unwholesome. Mm-hmm. Thoughts of doing, thoughts of attaining, thoughts of doubt, thoughts of this, that, and the other. And the correct kind of thoughts to have in the beginning are wholesome thoughts that have to do with gladdening the mind. So we tell ourselves everything's okay, everything is fine. Wow, isn't this a nice moment? We begin to pay attention
0: to the here now. Generally, here now is. Generally, here now is quite
1: safe. The room that you're in is quite safe. There are no alligators on the floor. You don't have any bats behind the curtains. There is no mafia. There is no uh, um, SWAT team banging down your door. That, in fact, you're safe. Right? If you are safe, then you should content convince yourself to feel safe, rather than feeling anxious or uptight.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're
1: actually in this moment safe. So let's feel safe right now. Can you actually get in touch with what it feels like to feel safe?
0: Feels really good.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that can be something that you'll say, all right, if I can feel the way that I want to feel, feeling safe would be a way that I would like to feel. So let's start Mm. working on talking ourselves into feeling safe. And when we're sitting just with no place to go and nothing to do, um, um, there, let us say that there's no um, articles of clothing repl- uh, uh, on the chair that's uncomfortable. Um, I haven't uh, uh, sat down on my headphones or something like that. In fact, <laughs> yeah. uh, everything is comfortable. Okay. So is comfortable a good feeling? Yeah. Something that you would actually appreciate having. You'd rather be comfortable than uncomfortable, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, so you can actually talk yourself into and provide the necessary equipment for the body to feel comfortable. Which may or may not have anything to do with leg postures. Leg postures are optional. But leg postures are definitely something that's a big, heavy-duty deal in Western Buddhism.
3: Mm, mm. In fact,
1: they're irrelevant. What's going on in your mind is the only thing that matters. And what matters is, do you feel comfortable? Do you feel safe? Do you feel secure? Because if you can feel safe and secure and comfortable... Then the next step, which is actually quite a big leap after that, is to feel satisfied that I don't want anything. I've got everything that I need. I don't want to get rid of anything because anything that I would want to get rid of would be something that was taking comfort away. But since I'm already now comfortable, I don't want to try to get rid of anything. I don't want anything, and I'm not trying to get rid of anything. Right now, I can be satisfied with this present moment just satisfied, just satisfaction, this moment's okay. The kind of thoughts that I'm having are thoughts about everything is okay and thoughts about I'm satisfied. Mm. Mm. If we can do this over and over and over again, we begin to develop some skills, the skill of sati to remember to get myself into a state of satisfaction. We're developing... Uh right, noble view in the sense of the viewing to check to see am I satisfied or not. If I'm not, then let's talk ourselves into being satisfied. Okay, so these are three items on the Eightfold Noble Path. To wake up, to take a look, and to throw out the garbage. To wake up, take an inventory, throw out the trash. Over and over and over and over again. And we get really feeling good about it. That it actually feels comfortable, super comfortable, being in a room that's not trash. That our mind has got no trash in it right now. Okay, so these are three items on the Eightfold Noble Path. And over time, sometimes, well, let's not put a time frame on it because it's not important. But what happens is that something is building up. And the building up is the confidence that I can do this because I just did it and I can do it again and I can do it Mm -hmm. again. I can throw Mm -hmm. out what's in my mind and I can come back and be comfortable again. Mm. This is where the next step is, is when we develop uh, uh, Sankapa, which is right noble attitude. Now, in the uh, the English language, they translate that as right thought or right intention. Right intention is problematic and right thought is really problematic. But let's look at it from this perspective, that one's right attitude actually determines what your thoughts are going to be and how you're going to think. Two guys in, a, in let us say, some sort of competition, whatever it was, and one loses and the other one wins when they go away from that competition when they have thoughts about the competition they're going to give different feelings because one has the attitude of the winner and the other one has the attitude of the loser mm, so mm. our attitude will determine the kinds of thoughts at detail that we have
3: mm,
1: and so mm. we begin to look at our attitude how is your attitude Do you have the attitude of a lion? Do you have the attitude of a winner? Do you have the attitude of no matter what happens that gets the mind dirty, I can, in fact, clean that dirt out?
2: Mm, I can feel safe, yeah.
1: Yeah, I can do it because I've already cleaned this room many times before. I can clean it again.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and that also, even though it's something that develops a long, long period of time. The technique also happens in the now. It's like you switch to the, you know, winner mindset now.
1: Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Precisely. This is it. Okay. Now that winner's attitude, when it grows and develops, it it goes in and develops into that feeling of wowness. The way that a football champion, in the uh, let us say, in the title match or whatever they call it, um, uh, the World Series of Football or whatever, they uh, this guy makes a touchdown. As soon as he makes the touchdown, what does he do?
2: Because, yeah.
1: Some of them spike the ball. Others yeah. jump up and yeah. down and they'll cheer. The whole crowd of the rest of the team will come and jump on him. Everybody's cheering and excited. OK, that is the feeling that they get from having that success. They've done it. Okay,
3: They've done it. Yeah.
1: This is what we want to have. And this in the poly word, this is the poly word pity.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're just feeling like we've already done it always. All the not all the time, but now, now,
1: right now, right yeah, now, right we have now. That, that exhilarating. We're on top of this game. Yeah. We've got this one, okay. Uh,
2: and it energizes you as well. It makes you feel energized and
1: motivated. And I can't precisely remember precisely. So this is where eagerness and enthusiasm come in. And when eagerness, enthusiasm, based upon success, are involved, the effort is no longer so effortful. Yeah, that the effort has to start off as real effort because we're the having the effort of taking the trash out. Now that we've taken the trash out, a little bit of pieces of hair and bone or whatnot that's found in the room, we can throw that out easy. We're not having to take it up and carrying it out yeah, like this. Yeah. We can take it out like this.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's just a little bit.
1: Just a little Wonderful. bit. Okay, so, Wonderful. Th- and this is why in the Seven Factors of Enlightenment, the Eightfold Noble Path uh, operates the way that it does in the sense that now the third item on the list, one's right effort actually now becomes energy energetic that the spring is operating now or whatever so that as soon as the mindfulness comes that deep breath and and the oh gosh i don't have to think about that just comes right in the next mind moment wow i'm so glad i don't have to do anything yeah okay so that's why it's called uh energy now unremitting energy means that it takes very little effort And then the next item on the seven factors of enlightenment is piti sukha. Often there's only leaves the first part of it out or the first part, uh, but it's actually in the Pali is piti sukha. It's a combination of the two. And so we develop those as skills so that we can have piti and sukkha and feel like a champion and feel like a winner no matter what's going
0: down. If we can remember to. Mm. 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 I had a question. I forgot what it was. Sorry.
1: Okay. So as pity and Sukha develop with wholesome thoughts, we begin to see that one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought is the way to go. But even that takes a bit of work. But in fact, we begin to experience how good we feel by experiencing how good we feel rather than by talking to ourselves about how good we feel. Mm. And so various mind moments now are paying much more attention to how good we feel, the piti and the sukha, and not paying so much attention to those applied and sustained thoughts, one wholesome thought after another. Then in Mm. fact, we begin to put some gaps in it. And now we're paying attention to how good we feel, rather than paying attention to talking ourselves into feeling good. Yeah. We yeah. actually experience the feeling good. This is the second jhana, and it's more relaxed than all of that thinking. Mm. We just, oh. mm. all right. and But we still have all of this pity, all of this wow feeling that begins to be too much also, and so the next thing to do is even relax out of that into just a state of sukha, Mm. and that's now the third jhana.
2: It's getting more and more refined, yeah.
1: More relaxed.
2: Relaxed, yeah,
1: yeah. More relaxed. First we Mm. relax by throwing the unwholesome thoughts out and getting the mind into a state of piti and sukha, then we let the thoughts go, and relax into just the feelings, and then we let the feelings mellow out, all right? Now, the way that that happens is actually an important point about the first jhana, is is that when one is in first jhana, one has um, eliminated for this moment all of the unwholesome thoughts, Which means that the feelings that we have are wise feelings, and they're feelings of delight, feelings of security, feelings of safety, those kind of feelings. Mm, mm. In that regard, that means that we're not going to uh, be uh, spending our time paying attention to any more unwholesome thoughts because we're free from them.
3: Mm. Okay,
1: this is an important quality. Yeah, there's there's
2: none to pay attention to.
1: Yes, is that because in the Mahasi method, the Mahasi method, they teach to note whatever is there. Hmm. Well, if, and they call it Did the you... dry insight method because that means that whatever you're noting is probably just hindrances.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so they get very, very skilled in two skills out of the Eightfold Noble Path. They get skilled at sati to remember. And then they get skilled in investigation, but that's as far as they go.
3: Mm, And so now they're
1: very, very, very excellent at finding every scrap of dust, every particle, every old box, every pile of crap, every dukkha in that room, they can see it. And so the, the skilled meditator winds up living in his own garbage dump. The skilled meditator winds up living in his own garbage dump because he's not practicing correctly. This is the Mahasi method, not from Mahasi Savadar's method, but the Mahasi method that is known in Western Buddhism.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've, I've heard that when Mahasi was teaching it, he was teaching it to Burmese monks who had a lot more concentration so that they would already. Well, so oh, that's and, like, Western
1: mentality. That, <laughs> that's uh, sour grapes. All
2: right, gotcha.
1: No, the average, um, let us say, the average uh, village uh, bumpkin who goes to ordain at the Watt has far less ability to concentrate than your average school kid in the West who's been forced into concentrating in order to get his homework done. No, the Westerns are already super skilled at concentration, and we're not using concentration here.
3: In fact, the word
1: samati does not mean concentration. It means gathering the factors together. Mm. What are the factors we're going to gather? We're going to be gathering the factor of Sati, of uh, uh, Ditti, uh, uh, right view, right effort, right Sankapa.
2: And in the right right balance as well. Yeah.
1: Right, yes, and we're, we're also going to be else. developing and gathering the skill factors of uh, the first jhana, which has to do with removal of the hindrances, piti, sukha, and applied and sustained thought. Mm. Okay, so the the first su- the first um, jhana, then is already in a place to where whatever we're noting is going to be wholesome noting. Not just noting what a good old whatever it is, the garbage, because we've already completely finished with noting garbage, because we've mm. taken it all out. Yeah. And if any new garbage comes into mind, it goes right out again. Unlikely for that to be uh, happening too much because we've already gotten into the habit of one wholesome thought after another after another. Okay. Now, if you'll. Uh, Uh, Pardon, we can look at Paticca Samupada for a moment. Mm -hmm. Half of the path of uh, Paticca Samupada is actually broken into two groups. The first half have to do with the aggregates, which has no self. There is Mm -hmm. no self in body. There's no self in feelings, no self in perception, no self in consciousness, no self in all of the garbage that we've carried. That, That pile of garbage, the Sankara, is not who we are. But a self does eventually show up when feelings go to grasping and clinging, and then the one who is clinging is the development of the self. We could also think that is the self preservation instinct. Well, in first jhana, we've interrupted that completely so that they're no longer going to have unwise feelings. Our feelings are going to be wise. And Mm. if there's wise feelings, that means we're going to feel the way that we want to feel. So imagine that you're sitting in, a let us say, a cafeteria or a bar or someplace, and two of the people that you happen to know, perhaps from the same class or same uh, uh, group of employees that you have, and you see them loudly arguing, violently arguing, in fact, just mm. gestations and and taking stances and all of that kind of stuff. How do you feel?
0: Uh Bad for them, afraid for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and possibly you think that you've got to go do something about it by going and getting into their fight. Maybe you're going to break it up. Uh, not for me, but uh, I, can, I
2: understand the sentiment, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. One of the things that I can tell you for sure that I learned as a teenager, and I have left that true for my whole life except for one time later, and it really bit me, and that is basically if you have two dogs fighting, You do not break up that fight. If you you break up a dog fight, one of those dogs is going to bite you.
3: Yeah.
2: And it
1: may be your own pet.
3: Yeah. Okay. So
1: if two guys are there then arguing, what we can do is we can have the, the thought of that's not my business. I don't have to deal with that. That's not a problem.
3: Mm, mm. Then you can come yeah.
1: back and just yeah, feel it's, it's
2: just it's just like what I said before with the, the two parts of me doubting. It's like I can step back, I can have the, meta introspective metacognition is how I've heard it described. I think it's just the same as sati, as far as I know, it's, that's the same thing, as far as I can tell. But um, it's like yeah, I just step back and I can and I can see him and say, not my problem, and it can kind of just dissolve. Yeah, really good, mm. really good analogy. Yeah, yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. All right. Now, yeah, yeah. as as we are in the first jhana noting, because this is basically what we're saying is, is that the noting method is absolutely correct, but not in a dry method full of hindrances. But we have to get this mind into the first jhana. But now everything that we note is going to be wholesome.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so, one of the things that, in fact, for the very beginner, the very thing uh, when I say the very beginner, let us say the beginner the, who who has established jhana, mm,
3: mm. the
1: the thing that he has to pay attention to is sustaining those thoughts into wholesome, mm,
3: mm. because
1: it's quite natural for the next uh, random thought to be unwholesome.
3: So yeah
1: train the thought the mind into sustaining these wholesome thoughts one after another which now what does that mean what are we noting we're noting sustaining wholesome thoughts we're mm. noting that i'm applying to wholesome thoughts this is actually in the sutras what to do, what does seraputa note he notes supplied and sustained thought. That's what
2: which, he knows. Which which one is it? Which which this is,
1: is number one eleven in the Majuma The one by one as they occur. That's the one that's uh, uh, uh let us say the Mahasi crowd really love that sutta, but don't yeah. understand it at all.
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: because um, in fact, in the process of this, the first thing that says is is that Sariputta quite secluded from unwholesome states. Secluded from sensual pleasures. Sensual pleasures means I want this, I want a cup of coffee, I want a, a, a doll, I want a car, mm. I wanna, I wanna, mm. I wanna wanna. Okay. And it's not sensual pleasures so much as sensual desires. Completely free from sensual desires and completely free from all unwholesome states, he enters and abides into the first jhana with. Rapture and pity sustained by applied and sustained wholesome thoughts. Mm. Right? Mm. These are now samati because we've got all of the factors together. Piti sukha applied, sustained, and free from the hindrances, right? So now what are we going to note? We're going to be noting applied and sustained thought. We're going to be noting pity. We're going to be noting sukha. And as we note those things one by one, we drop naturally into the second and the third ajanas.
3: Mm, and so, it depends
1: and upon so. what you're noting that determines the jhana that you're in, not some sort of I want it, I got to have it all, I've got to get that Yeah, jana.
2: Yeah, yeah, That's That's a really, really good point. That's a really, really good point.
1: It is all about relaxation. So when we have the mind completely wholesome, applied and sustained thought, we can put some gaps in. And as we get put gaps into thinking, what do we fill those gaps with is actually the experience of feeling what we feel. To really get a load of what does being a champion feel like? How good can you feel? Mm. What kind of wow can you have? What kind of satisfaction can you generate? Okay, mm. this is the first mm. jhana. Okay, and this is what these are the notings that we do in the first jhana is noting that pity and denoting that sukha. But we also begin as we have uh, finished off with the applied and sustained thoughts and are really, really noting the pity sukha we begin to see that pity is a lot of work. I don't mm. have mm. to be standing on top of the uh the tropic hearing like yeah. this all yeah. the time that i can yeah. say oh, i can relax now into sukha yeah yeah okay so these it's one state of relaxation after, after another, another after another after
2: another after another okay
1: and it has to do with what we're paying attention to mm. okay so that, there's enough-
2: that, that oh, sorry i was just gonna say this is theory for me because i i don't really experience formless jhanas at all but it 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 makes sense what you were saying about they they're getting more relaxed. Um, and the the way I said it was refined, but it's like it gets like so so relaxed that even like physical sensations are like so relaxed that they stop like occurring. I guess that's how I'm like imagining how that then leads to the formless jhanas.
1: So then the opaca, that that kind of opaque mm. would be relaxed sukha,
3: mm. which
1: is relaxed pity.
2: Yeah, so it's even more distilled than Sukha is now. It's just like the the, the essence of it. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yeah, the essence of sort of happiness.
1: So, first jhana is talking yourself into feeling really good. Second jhana is feeling really good. So satisfied with the success, which melts it into the third jhana, just complete satisfaction.
3: Mm. The
1: third. The third mm. genre then melts into just complete relaxation. Mm. They don't even have to work at being satisfied anymore. It is even a baser level than that.
2: Yeah, it's, I've heard it All described right, so, as indifferent feeling or translated as indifference.
1: Well, that's bad translation.
2: Because English, in English we have a negative connotation of indifferent, don't we? They're not, they're not accounting for that. Mm. Yeah, relaxation has a positive connotation. It's getting us well, at that's least because the, right the
1: translations were done by people who did not know what they were translating.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: Okay. Here's an example on the side. Imagine that during World War II, American spies got a hold of a secret German document for nuclear weapons or something like that. And they take this secret document. Who are they going to give it to? Are they going to give it to a uh, high school class of German students to translate? No. No. Are they going to give, a, give it to a language expert? Yep. Who really knows the ins and outs of the German language as well as his own native language.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. That's what they normally do. Guess what? They did not. Uh, get it translated by a nuclear physicist. Yeah, yeah. All right. What they need in order to get the correct translation is they need a nuclear physicist who knows German excellently as well as English. He needs three Mm. skills in order to do the translation. And all these translators have is one skill, English. Mm. Mm. they do not have the skill of the Dhamma and they do not have the skill of the Pali. um do you
2: by chance know of any translations any copies of translations that were done by nuclear physicists that maybe they are available online or something not Rather in than the english. ones
1: i normally not, not in, english. in english
2: that's a shame not
1: in english not yet yeah That's not necessarily the case in Thai and uh, Burmese and Sri Lankan and Vietnamese and whatnot. No, that's English translations. Not one English translation has been done by someone who knows what they're doing, which means that if you're really going to learn the suttas, we need two things. One is that you need to pay attention to the Pali itself. And there where we have the advantage, see, many years ago, it was drudgery going through the poly, trying to find out when everything is in poly, trying to find the passage that you're looking for. I
2: can imagine.
1: But, But now on the Internet, on Sutra Central, we have the ability to go line by line in English so that we can find the passage we're looking for. And now we can check the poly directly to see what's actually in the poly.
2: Ah, clever, clever. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's one thing. The next thing is, is that we still need kind of a guide. And that guidance that we need, basically, I got it from Bhikkhu that mm. I, I learned mm. how to read the sutras from him, even though when I learned how to read the sutras from him, I didn't have any sutras to read. The reading of the sutras came years later after he had died. But I already had enough. To where
2: I knew yeah, how to meet yeah. them now, like the like the, the really core concepts and, and and the really crucial terminology you you'd already understood from him, so you could you could already kind of sort of triangulate what what was being said.
1: Right, an yeah. example of that is the word nibbana. Mm. Okay, many people have a whole lot of ideas about nibbana. The Dasa points out in his book, uh, in the lecture that's turned into a book, the name of it is Nirvana for Everyone, where he's pointing out that at least once a day and probably several times a day, every one of us will have a little Nirvana moment. We'll relax. The old man comes home from the office and he sits down in his chair. <laughs> And he has a little nirvana moment. Didn't last for two or three or four mind moments, and he certainly wasn't paying attention, but he did go literally out of his mind. He stopped thinking, and he relaxed. This is the practice that we're actually doing, but we're going to be doing it consciously or intentionally or with um, stama sankapa of having the attitude that we're going to remember to do this and intentionally relax mm. so that you can begin to live your life in a relaxed way. If you could live your life in a relaxed, joyful, happy way to where you didn't want anything and you were completely satisfied, and then with living that way, mem- moment by moment, as you remember to do that, and somebody came by and offered you a great big whoop-de-doop supper or another, like enlightenment, what would you do with it?
2: I wouldn't have anything to do with it.
1: Yeah, you would. Yeah, Yeah. I don't need that. I've got everything I need already. Yeah. So in fact, what we can say is then that satisfaction and enlightenment are two different things. Because enlightenment is a is a goal for Western people to have, Mm. and when people are satisfied, they don't want that goal. They're already satisfied.
3: Yeah. The
0: real enlightenment is not wanting anything. or actually enlightenment then is
1: both the knowledge and the deliverance or enlightenment is after we've cut the ropes and we're floating off into the space that's the enlightenment but the real and part of the that was the doing of the enlightenment was cutting those ropes dropping the sandbags
0: hmm um, not is not that,
1: obtaining more ropes and hanging on to ropes and not grabbing more sandbags to get some stability. No, it's dropping. Everything dropping. about the teaching of the Buddha has to do with getting rid of baggage, not bringing on new baggage. That's
2: so crucial. That's so crucial for me to hear. Yeah. And that's sort of been something I've been figuring out over the last two weeks, but it's really great to have confirmation on that because at, uh, at least it resolves one of those doubtings. Even though it, it technically doesn't need to be resolved. Um, is satisfaction. Well a doubt is, is a
1: hindrance. When you're thinking of doubt, yes. you're unsettled. You yeah. don't you don't feel secure and satisfied. So when a doubt comes up and we say, Ha, ah, that's a doubt. Never mind. I don't have to worry about that right now. I'm too busy just enjoying the moment.
0: Yeah. 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 Hindrances get the boot. Um so I
2: have. Uh, uh, this is sort of like. Um, definitions question um, is satisfaction desirelessness. Can we say that that's the same state? Sort of. Uh,
1: yeah, that's the actual yeah. definition of satisfaction is you've okay. just gotten what you wanted or you don't want anything. I'm yeah. satisfied. Yeah. OK, so somebody comes uh, uh, in the house and says, are you hungry?
0: No, yeah. I'm not
1: hungry. Don't fix food. I'm satisfied yeah. right now. I'm, I'm not hungry. Okay, so that's a way of beginning to think of it is, is that, no, you're not hungry for anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That I'm satisfied right now. I don't have the hots for anything. That I'm cool. That that's basically, we see that in the English language, too. The idea of cool off, cool down, chill, baby. In the Thai language, it's jayin, having a cool heart. That's what Buddha is talking about for nirvana. Nirvana yeah. is just getting cool, getting satisfied, not wanting anything, not being hungry. Now, uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa has another work that's called Happiness and Hunger, where he's pointing out that most of us see... Um, uh it as being hungry and then eating and being satisfied because we got what we wanted. But there is a deeper level that we're that we're beginning to look at, and that is is that uh, real uh, satisfaction is not from having our hunger met but rather that we just don't have hunger.
3: Mm, mm. Okay. That you're
1: not going through that cycle of wanting, getting, and feeling satisfied. No, I just don't have to play that whole
0: route. I'm good right now. Everything is just fine. Right now, everything is okay. No hunger. Satisfaction.
1: Which has to do with safety and security. And as we develop, it develops into the feeling of success, into Mm. the feeling I can Mm. do this. And so then the first stage or the first step uh, to Sotapan comes out of Sutta number 48 in the Majjhima Nikaya, uh, the Kasambian Sutta, where the first knowledge for Sotapan is the knowledge that. No matter how obstructed the mind gets, he can clean his mind out and come to the present moment and see the way things really are. And he knows that. That's the knowledge. That's the knowledge of the first step of uh, the path. And it is a factor of the path. It is super mundane. It is noble. And it is a mentality not shared by ordinary people. Ordinary people do not have the firm, yeah, you're solid in like the, knowledge still, yeah. that they can clean their mind out anytime they want to. That normally when the, uh, an ordinary person walks into a dirty room, let us say that you've, you've left home and you come back home and the whole room is just a big mess. Papers are on the floor and the bookcase is falling over and all of that kind of stuff. What's the first question that we normally ask?
2: What the hell happened?
1: What happened? And underneath that, who the hell happened?
2: Yeah, good
1: point. Who did this? What was the cause of this? And the idea is is that we want them to clean up their mess. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah. All right. That's the ordinary mind, which means I need help to clean up my mess. The first step on the noble path is that firm knowledge. Not only can Real, I, uh, yeah. uh, is it my job to clean up the mess? Only I but do it. I got short work of it.
3: Oh right, yeah, yeah, guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is an easy thing, easy peasy. Yeah, yeah.
3: just
1: and it's gone. And we, but the ordinary mind wants help. We want a plastic Jesus. We want a uh, savior. We want a, um, a a guru. We want a mm. teacher. We want mm. a meditation practice method. We want this. We want that. We want all kinds of things.
3: Oh man, and that
1: we've actually you Western Buddhism is is Western people using the teaching of the Buddha as an object of desire rather than an object of release from desire we got everything upside down with the teaching of the Buddha. We think that getting something, obtaining something, attaining jhana, attaining sildapana, attaining uh, liberation, attaining enlightenment, attaining moksha, all of that is an attainment for the Western mind. And basically, all of that stuff is already in the room, but the room is so cluttered, you don't even know the stuff is there. If you clean house, all of the stuff that you wanted and desired and didn't have we're actually already there anyway.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Nice, nice.
2: That's good. That's good. That's a good point.
1: And so we don't want anything. We want to get into a state of not wanting. Satisfied.
2: Yeah, I almost it's almost like the tech it's like you sort of you don't you don't really need like a technique, like because the, the doing it itself is the that's the actual thing is it's just, it's a, you know, it's just a, it's very um, sort of, it's sort of like a, it's like a switch, isn't it? It's quite, it's instant switch. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: that's exactly right. It's so there's that, no,
2: there's no technique for flicking a, a switch <laughs> because it's one and two, right? The, the
1: what are you going to do? Exactly You're going to build right. like some whole big thing and then that's like, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Like you're just building extra steps around it.
1: Like- well, there are many, many triggers that can be used, but the triggers often are the triggers for sati. Mm. An example mm. of that is being around other nobles and became and behaving like them, so that when you start to behave the way that you ordinary do, you've got the nobles around them uh, around. That means that the sati for you is going to be there. Wait a minute, I've got to, uh, uh, yeah, to live a different yeah. way. Okay, so another one which is uh, quite common but not necessarily all that valuable is counting deeds of a mala, whether mm. the mala is a ret- mala or the one around the wrist. In fact, I, I uh, have had some friends of um, Islam who call those things worry deeds. <laughs> When in fact, counting of the beads, if you're counting of the beads, you should be counting the beads instead of worrying.
0: But yeah. they call them
1: worry beads because they're counting the beads, but they're still worried. So the yeah. beads themselves and bean counting doesn't really work, but it could work as an anchor.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. We
1: use the breath. As our anchor, because that's an anchor that we carry around with us all the time. All we have to do is remember to take a long, deep in-breath to learn to control the breathing. Mm, that's mm. that's the major part. Where Western Buddhism says, don't control the breathing, just watch it. Well, guess what? If we're just watching it, it gets bored very quickly and we just trot right off. Here's a clear example of that. Playing a video game, you see somebody playing the video game. You're watching them play the video game on their PC from over their shoulder. And someone walks into the room, you're, uh, the, the one who was watching the game is more than likely going to start paying attention to the guy who walked into the room to where the guy who's playing the game is going to ignore the guy that walked in the room, and he's going to stay on the game. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the breath that way. And if you're there just watching the breath as it's breathing like something else or somebody else is playing the game of breathing, then you're going to be easily distracted from that breathing. But if you're breathing the way that is that you were playing the game, this is a long, deep end breath. This is a long, deep out breath. This is a long, deep mm. end breath. This mm. is a long, deep we're out breath. We're
2: taking control of it. Yeah. Taking responsibility I- for it.
1: We're taking control of it. We're playing it. And not only that, but we're learning a whole lot more from it. The guy who is watching someone else play a video game is not learning a whole lot. Very true. Just like the guy who's reading a Dhamma book. He's not learning a whole lot. But if you start reading his own mind, his own body, his own uh, breathing, and start working with the Satipatthana, the body, the feeling, the mind, and the mind's objects, and that's the book that we read, and that's the book that we pay attention to, then we're going to make some progress if we're doing it correctly, which means that we wake up and remember. We don't just forget about that book and go read some other book. We continue to remember that, oh, I'm going to be paying attention to this book, this body, Mm. this healing system to be here now. So there's many different ways of talking about that. An example is is that whenever somebody picks up something, normally they have their mind focused on the object that they picked up. That's why they picked it up, because they wanted it. And the mind Mm. is on the object. Mm. dude, though, when he picks something up, he's paying attention to his fingers. He's Mm. paying attention to the way he's holding the object. But it's not the object, it's the intention. The, uh, the real intention is, what am I doing with my hands?
3: Mm, mm. Yeah, okay. it's very,
2: yeah, much closer, much closer attention.
1: Right, so this is the book that we need to read when we're holding an object. We're not reading the object. Mm. We're reading the touching and the feeling and the sensations and, and the touch and all of that kind of stuff. to Start paying attention to the body. Instead of the mm. objects,
3: yeah, yeah,
1: all right, because that we're doing in the here now, the object is just an object it's is sort of like timeless in the, that's in, in that's the a good frame.
2: good anchor. like you said with the uh, the mala how to an a- anchor, well, so st- like any old non-mental sensations, I think, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Touch sensations, the body. Touch but in touch. fact, that's the whole point about gathering all the students together at the same hour in the meditation hall is because that's supposed to be an anchor for them to come in and start practicing now. Mm. But it's not a good yeah, anchor yeah. For any people.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, make sure at least they do some practice. Mm. Slack if off. they
1: can remember. Yeah. If they can yeah. anchor, use that breath as an anchor. And then eventually we start using the mind itself as an anchor. What am I thinking right now? What kind of thoughts do I have? So uh, basically what we're talking about is is that most people think that first jhana is something that you do on the floor in the meditation hall. No, first jhana is a state that you can get into. And when you're getting very good and very sophisticated in that state, you can stand up and start walking around. Mm
2: like the like the, the essence of the state can carry over yeah
0: yes yeah even so- if
2: you're having like thoughts as well i would think like that might be and missing it- the one-pointedness factor though and they would have mm-hmm. the other four factors but not the one-pointedness one if you're having lots of thoughts i guess
1: and so we practice in seclusion but then we perform that Out in the public, let us say that I'm doing ordinary things like getting into the car in an ordinary way and start driving the car in an ordinary way, and then I remember sati, and now I'm awake. Now everything that I do with that car, turning the wheel, and and I know when I'm putting the foot on the gas, and I'm really paying attention to the body driving that car while mindfully watching where the car is going. That would be then you can be prashana. While driving the car.
3: Mm. Mm.
1: Because we're paying attention to the roads. And in fact, you would expect if you were going to hire a driver to drive you around, wouldn't you want him to be well known to be a very safe, competent driver, can really yeah. work with that? Or do you want just a good old friend who's going to chat with you
0: and do you yeah, yeah, over the car? shoulder and all that? Yeah. Exactly.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I know. See what you mean, yeah. A good point. Man, we'd have some uh, safe drivers if people knew how to meditate, huh? <laughs> yeah.
1: That, in fact, um, uh, safe driving is a skill to be developed, and, it, and the skill is the skill of watching where you're going. Mm. Be here now, mm. be with that car, yeah. not in your sandwich or on your cell phone. or uh, when you're on the, yeah. the way to work or fussing at the kids in the back seat and all of that kind of stuff. No, when you're driving, yeah. you're riding. And there is a way of using the word concentration for that. But I don't use the word concentration because it's so easy for the student to get confused about concentration. Mm. And so yeah, I get the idea. a much better way of, of talking about it is to what we call pay attention. The paying of it is one's right effort. To pay attention. Mm. Mm. Okay, so this is we the paying attention is in fact paying attention to what we're doing.
0: <clears throat>
1: paying attention to is this thought wholesome or not? Because paying attention just whatever thought is there, or just paying attention to whatever breath is there, is not really paying any attention. Yeah. When we're paying attention, that means that we're making sure that that thought is wholesome. That we're
3: making mm.
0: sure that that breath is relaxed and it's going to help relax the body. Mm. Mm. So, when we pay attention, that's right effort.
3: Mm, it's
2: only one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's, it's, it's a, important. It's an important, important, important. puzzle. Right. Yeah. And when we get very it. good at paying an attention, then we say, hot dog, I can pay attention. Yeah. I get good at watching what's going on.
0: And then
2: when that's, we know we can really well, we're just like, I can pay attention. That's okay. And we're just like, mm. Even more chill. <laughs> I was trying to think of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so in those occasions when we're not paying attention and you see it, we can wake up. To, Aha, I saw that.
2: Yes, yes.
1: But most meditators, when that happens in the beginning and they say that they haven't seen that they haven't been paying attention, do you know what they do? They say, oh, no, I wasn't paying attention. All this meditation is so hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now they're back yeah. into dukkha again, full blown. Rather yeah. than saying, hot dog, I can see that.
2: Yeah, they forgot it's a two-step sort of method,
1: isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so it's gathering these factors together that is what is samati. And the samati gathers the factors together of jhana. And that that person jhana, then here's an example of the way to talk about it. And that is, is that imagine that you, that the only thing that we have as an intention right now is to get a violin to play one note.
3: Mm-hmm. Just
1: one note. In mm. order to get the violin to play one note, we have to have one string, but we have to have the bridge, we have to have the boot,
0: yeah, we have to all have all the other curl, stuff,
1: we have all to the all stuff, yeah. the other stuff for that violin. Which means then, Scotty, right view, right effort, right attitude. That's the that's the violin.
2: Yeah. And yes. so, yeah. Means and that then you when to we have all of that, then we play the note. Yeah.
1: Then we can add a couple of extra strings yeah but 90 percent of all of that you're going to do is going to be for first jhana
2: would you say it's more like adding extra strings for the jhanas or is it all like it's the same jhana just but like like deeper because people say that like the formless realms come from the fourth come are like a they're like a very refined version of like the fourth jhana like they come out of that but and, and sort of my theory is that like the 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 four form jhanas is also kind of like a refined variety of the first jhana. Like it's all just like the first, like switch into, into sukha, into satisfaction.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's like, right. And you're and, and that and I got that from doing your your your, your method because when I'd relax and I'd relax like, relax relax, don't
1: belong to me. I don't think
2: I don't know. <laughs> you where I got it from, but um, I guess the Buddha's method.
1: Uh, right. It's the Buddha's method. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's a it's kind of funny because i keep thinking um that i I used to do a lot of self-inquiry and there's a guy called rupert spira and he has a method of self-inquiry he calls it like the direct path i don't know if it's like his term or i mean because i've heard that thrown around a lot but it's funny because i feel like like your method is even more direct than that because it's like you just do it like it's super direct
1: well it is direct except that um one of the dangers of that uh, of direct investigation is they keep directly investigating and keep directly investigating and the more they investigate the more crap they find but they don't do anything about it they just wallow in all of that uncomfortable crap but they keep investigating and finding mm. and digging up even more dirt
2: yeah it's weird cuz it's it's kind of like like well sometimes like just now for example it was kind of like when you said that I I realized that like I was like creating like dukkha by by like d- doing the effort of like investigating and it was like I actually had to stop doing even that to like so it was sort of like that it was like the 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 effort of investigating was becoming more of a hindrance than help cuz like the cuz the um the the other, the other factors like the mindfulness and um uh sukra and stuff that can continue without the effort obviously because that's the second jar but it was it was really interesting to like notice that and think huh, mm-hmm. yeah so how how can i s- split those two in my apart in my mind and only how do i how do i make my technique even more refined so i can i can do it now without even doing that the effort part sort of just no, like my no, thought for a process. while
1: it's going to be effort you have to pay attention
3: yeah there's yeah. going
1: to be some effort involved with it but the paying of the attention is also the change that needs to be made. It just is really change-oriented. But in mm-hmm. fact, the whole point about change is the reason why the Buddha was not big on, and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is certainly not big on, the whole idea of rebirth and reincarnation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because the whole teaching of rebirth and reincarnation is, is that if you do something big, like a big no-no or a big good good, then later on, it's the same person who did that will experience the results of it. In other words, you haven't changed. You're the Mm -hmm. same person now that you always have been, and, and our society teaches us that. In fact, Christianity is based upon it. It's based upon that God made you, and he made you a long time ago, and you're the same person now that you were then, and that's completely not true that a human being goes through many, many, many stages. Mm. That in fact, one of the things that has been common in the West that the Buddha knew about, and that is the concept of who was I in the past? What will I be in the future? Who am I now? And the Buddha says that those points are, um, let us say, unwise attention. That the correct wise attention is, is this dukkha? If it is, How'd it go?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Okay, and uh, an easy way for someone to get over asking themselves personality questions is to answer it like this, that you are the sum total of all of the malicious gossip and all the lies that you've ever been told your whole life. That's who you are. That's all you are. You're nothing more than a sum total collection of all the crap that you've been carrying around. And when you stop carrying crap around, you're not much of anything anymore. Isn't that marvelous?
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's the nice stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. that
0: personality it's like, is um, not. It's fixed. like a, your
2: your room analogy. Like you keep taking out all the garbage, and then you and then you realize like there's no walls. It was just all garbage.
1: Yeah, it was all garbage, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and we have freedom now. That's real freedom. Is when we take out even the walls they were garbage too
3: <laughs> yeah mm. well, you know we've been the, going
1: uh, at it for a while and the and the weather is back up again we're in the monsoon season the wind is high and i expect for the power to go out again any moment now so
0: absolutely. why don't we go ahead
1: and finish this um, call before we lose it
2: <laughs> yeah yeah sure i mean i can call you again in two to three days right <laughs> i don't have to wait 14 <laughs> lovely all right yes you see.
1: so get yourself all happy and gushy and and comfortable <laughs> and everything like that and then just relax without wanting that to be just to step on the next step of the well, path that's, no, the, that's, that's what we way, do now
2: that's like the whole counterintuitive thing is because it's like you can't actually do it right the relax, the relaxation it's when you stop doing it not when you're doing it so it's kind of mm-hmm. that's why it's so tricky i think i think that's why it's so tricky it's like you said, the whole Western mindset, because like even on like a a broad, big picture scale, it's like, yeah, these sort of beliefs run my life. But even on the micro, like seconds to second scale of me actually doing the technique, you know, it's like if I'm trying to do it, well, I'm not going to do it because you're not supposed to do it. You're supposed to stop doing all the stuff that prevents it from already being you know, already the case. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was really good, really good, good. talking
1: good. to you. Yeah. Excellent, Robert. OK, well, we'll talk to you soon.
2: Wonderful. Thank you. Speak soon. Bye bye.
1: Okay. Bye bye.